Hi guys, this is Crystal. And I'm Elle. And this is Alternative Interests. Okay, so I chose a story about a girl who went missing because um, it's actually got a lot of psychology involved in it, and I thought you might be really interested in it. Okay, so this is um, the story of Hannah Up. So Hannah, Hannah Up? Yes. Okay. So Hannah was born in 1984. She grew up in Oregon in the Portland area with her parents, Barbara and David, and a brother. The brother doesn't play into the story much, so I actually couldn't find what his name was. But she's got a brother. He exists. Okay. Interesting. All right. So people who know Hannah and are friends with her describe her as kind of like a life of the party kind of person. She's super full of energy really wants to help everyone just like everybody's best friend kind of girl um when she was growing up her both of her parents were pastors at some point uh in her childhood her parents ideas about religion like really suddenly changed so for a long time they were on the same page teaching the same thing and then kind of out of nowhere I don't know who changed. I don't know if it's that her dad got more strict or that her mom got less strict. But from an article that I found, it looks like her dad went full on Bible thumper. Like he liked to preach what he called, quote unquote, biblical morality. So basically no homosexuals obey what the Bible teaches you, that kind of stuff. Uh, Barbara filed for divorce when Hannah was 15 years old. And her dad decided to move overseas to teach religion to small indigenous tribes. Some of the places he taught was like Fiji, Guam, India, Zimbabwe, those kind of places. As of 2017, uh, it looks like he was living in a remote village in the Philippines. And David and Barbara actually no longer speak. Oh. Yeah, so you, you can imagine like for... Somebody who's like happy go lucky having that kind of stress in their teenage years can be a lot. Yeah. As Hannah got older, um, she kind of was constantly questioning her beliefs and her religion and what she thought. And she would take it really, really hard when she would learn things like about her own religion that mm-hmm. she kind of thought was wrong or cruel or unfair. When she was a sophomore in college, she went to um, a guest speaker, this woman who used to be um, a pastor who actually got defrocked because she came out as lesbian. And she ended up calling one of her friends just absolutely sobbing because she believed in this religion. And if the religion could be so cruel to this woman, like, is it really the right religion? So that's the kind of person Hannah was. She was constantly reevaluating who she was. I mean, at least it was for the right reason. I mean, like, if she was, like, caring about what she was noticing, like, it was being... I feel like a lot of pe- people around that age, though, like, go through that. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of... Yeah. Anyway. So, so even though, like, her parents didn't really speak anymore, she actually went traveling with her father at least once a year. 
I kind of got the feeling that it's more than once a year based on um, a documentary I watched. It sounds like she's been to a ton of places, but it was at least once a year, her and her dad went traveling somewhere together. I mean, that's kind of cool. Right. For like her, but then it's like kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to go. And actually that's really interesting because her friends kind of thought the same thing. They were like, well, do you, are you okay with your dad? But she was always like super positive about spending time with her dad. So I don't think yeah. the fighting with her parents really got to her that much. She was kind of a go with the flow kind of person. So yeah. in 2008, Hannah was about to start her second year as a middle school Spanish teacher at Thurgood Marshall Academy in Harlem. On August 28, 2008, about 2 p.m., Hannah was getting ready to leave her apartment. Um, one source I found said that she was leaving for a school function, but a bunch of other sources say she was leaving to go for a run. I'm kind of more inclined to believe she was going for a run, um, and we can get into that later on because some details have come up with it. So... Stick a, okay. stick a pin in that for a minute. Um, she told friends that she was going to be spending that weekend with her mother. And on Monday, she didn't come home. And her roommate started to get really, really worried. They were calling her cell phone. Calls were going straight to voicemail. And they were checking in with other friends like, hey, have you seen Hannah? No one had heard from Hannah all weekend. No one knew where she was. So at that point, the roommate decides to go and check her room, and they found her keys, her phone, her ATM card, her metro card, because New York City need a metro card, and her passport were all in her room. The passport thing is a little weird to me. Like, I don't know why. I don't know if they were rummaging through her stuff or if she just kind of always kept her passport with her. Like, if that was her regular ID since... She didn't have a need for a driver's license, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if she traveled a lot, she probably... I, I know a lot of people who, who do travel a lot, and so they keep their passport kind of more closer to them than they would, like, normal. It's weird for me Going because I keep my passport tucked somewhere, but, I mean, like, it could be normal for her. It didn't really say. Yeah. Um. So it isn't yeah. really clear who officially reported her missing, but she was reported missing and her friends and family started going up and posting missing posters for her everywhere. They were plastered all over New York. So her debit card records actually showed that the day she went missing that Friday, she went to go see a movie by herself, but there were no other charges on her debit card over the weekend. Was her her card found like in her... Like, in her apartment. You said it was found in, like, where she lives? Her so, like, a- her ATM card was, but her debit card was not. Was not. Okay. I think the two are the same, so I don't know if that's a blip in reporting or if she really do ha- did have two separate like cards. Two cards. Well, because I have two separate cards. I do have an ATM card that I got, like, when I very first opened my like bank account because I have like a credit union and I guess that's kind of normal for some credit unions to give you an ATM card that you can only use at an ATM right but then I also have my debit card yeah it sounds like her ATM card was with her purse between her going missing on August 28th and a news article that was released on September 5th 
there's actually no information. There were no sightings, no information on where she was. She was just gone. So after nine days with no information, so September 5th would have been eight days. On September 6th, Hannah was spotted. Um, a young man called police and said that he had seen Hannah near an Apple store. He actually stopped her because he recognized her from the missing posters. And he kind of tapped her and he's like, hey, excuse me, is your name Hannah? And there's actually security footage of this. She looks at him and she's she like waves him off. She's like, no, I'm not Hannah. And like blows him off and keeps walking. What? Right? That's so weird. Okay. So the police respond and, you know, they missed Hannah, but they found the security footage. They showed the footage to Hannah's mother, Barbara, and Barbara immediately was like, yep, that's Hannah. I guess she had this really distinct way of, like, if people came up to her and she didn't want to bother with them, there's like, a hand gesture she would do. And she, like, did it. So her mom was like, that's my daughter. That's Hannah. And... I mean, she's alive. Right. So, I mean, nine days she's been missing. At least they see her. Like, she's healthy. She's interacting with people. Doesn't want to be found, but but she's there. Yeah, I was going to say, why did she... Okay. Why did she just get up and go see a movie and leave? Okay. (laughs) Like, that's where I'm like, wait a second. Okay, Okay. so... I'm getting suspenseful. It gets weirder, because there's more footage. The police search the footage from the Apple store and it shows Hannah logging into her Gmail account on one of the laptops they had out. Okay. And so she logs into her Gmail and like immediately logs out and leaves the store. Um, why would you do that? Right. Why would you log in and then log off? And like, did, did they get her like doing anything or was she just like checking? Did it look like she just like went to check something and then, it was like legitimately she logged in and immediately logged out and then left the store. That's interesting. That's weird. Right. A lot of skeptics, including some of the police involved, kind of saw this as like her evading, not evading capture, but like evading rescue. Two days later, there was another spotting of Hannah. She's actually spotted at a Starbucks and police responded. But by the time police got there, Hannah had left out of a back door. Is that a back door? Yeah. Oh, wait, does she not want? She just doesn't want to be found. Like, that's what it. She's doing a really bad job. But, like, is that. Like, why does she keep running away? Listen, there's more security footage. Because she had Her been cases, spotted. Zero security footage. This case, all the security footage. So because she had been spotted at the Apple store and the Starbucks, police actually yeah. searched and they found uh, recordings of her at five different gyms. So like it's the gym that she always goes to their chain, I guess. She was recorded at five different gyms, signing in at the front desk with her name and her membership ID number and going in and taking showers. Weird. Right. I, I mean, it just sounds like she. It just sounds like somebody like she just ran away from her life and she doesn't want to be found. At this point, she's been gone for nine days when they spotted her. It's now eleven days with the Starbucks sighting. So, after the Starbucks sighting, I didn't see any more documented sightings until September sixteenth. 
So on December, September 16th, the captain of the Staten Island Ferry was doing his regular thing, out, driving the boat, and he kind of scanned the water, and he saw what he thought was a human head bobbing in the water. What? Right, it, that's really, really odd, right? Like, I don't think I would look out and see anything and be like, oh, that looks like a human head. Yeah, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, there's just a human head over there. He dispatched a rescue boat, and the rescue boat found a woman floating face down in the water. They immediately kind of scoop her up, put her in the rescue boat. She wakes up. She gasps. She's coughing because she was face down in the water, and she starts crying. Yeah. So this woman is dehydrated, sunburnt, and hypothermic, and they take her to Richmond University Medical Center on Staten Island. The weird thing here is the second she kind of gets to the hospital and medical staff starts asking her questions, she says, you know, my name is Hannah and here's my mom's phone number. They call her mom and her mom shows up within an hour because, you know, my daughter's missing. I'm going to go to the yeah. hospital to make sure she's okay. Um, yeah. So that afternoon, four of her friends came to visit her in the hospital. Hannah kind of made a really weird comment. She told one of her friends, because remember, she was the teacher at a middle school. She said, I hope they release me soon. I need to set up my classroom. Wait. Wait, was she going to, like, work while she was missing? No, she wasn't, because she wasn't. Wait. Wait. (laughs) All of a sudden, she's worried about her work? So, this is really, really interesting, She said that her last memory, remember I said there were two stories about her leaving her apartment? Yeah. She said her last memory was on August 28th, going for a run in the park by her apartment. And then, and then the next minute she was in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. Did she like, that's like that weird, like, her brain just turned off. Like, it, it was just, like, extra person. I don't know. You know um, some personality disorders, when they go into this separate personality, they, like, forget. Like, it's almost like that one half doesn't even know what's going on, and then they chime into the other half. Like, I don't know how that brain... I, I remember talking about it in my social psychology, uh, like, classes and stuff, how we talk about it. Um, so, but... it's interesting you mentioned that, because that is exactly what happened. She was what? she was transferred to Columbia University Medical Center. They did a bunch of brain scans so that they could try and see, like, was there any neurological condition? Was there anything they could see in her brain that mm-hmm. caused this? And there was nothing. She was diagnosed. It's called dissociative fugue disorder. The nickname oh. of it is actually it's Jason Bourne disorder after the Bourne identity, like, uh, yeah. Matt- Matt Damon's character, Jason Bourne, has this. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually a 100% real disorder, and I guess it's really rare. Yeah. So she was diagnosed with that. Um, the weird thing is that typically it's triggered by some sort of trauma. Um, they hypnotized Hannah to try and see if they could identify, you know, what happened to make this click and hypnotized Hannah, could not remember anything that went wrong, 
And Hannah, in her waking days following the incident, she tried to remember what happened. She could not remember anything that happened that was just weird or off. She didn't remember going and seeing the movie by herself. That's so intriguing, yet weird. I don't... I mean, had, did she ever show, like, those signs when she was younger? Or did it just, like, randomly... Because that's, like, where I would... I, I don't know too much about... So the weird like, thing about this disorder... It has no symptoms. It just randomly, like... It just hits. There's actually a story um, that I found of... They called it the most famous American story of someone with a fugue state. It was Mm -hmm. this pastor. It was 1897, I believe. This pastor just upped and left his life, and he moved to a different town. He just started a stationery and candy store like how easy it was to just start up a store uh, the people in the town that lived there all thought he was a nice normal guy and then two months later he woke up and was like where am I that's so weird like I don't I, I mean it's, I, I'm slightly like speechless because I'm trying to like think about how like how that you know the brain is so weird because it can do things like it's just like i don't know if you want to say it like stops working or it like reboots and then you have no idea what's going like like it's almost like that's almost like a trip in the matrix like this is this would have been your life <laughs> nice. like you know like alternate realities like that was your alternate reality just jumped in for a second Right, weird. so the, <laughs> the weird thing about this that you kind of picked up on as I was telling you, she was still going about some parts of her normal life. Like, she was able to get into her gym. She knew what her, because at that gym, you have to give your membership number, and you have to confirm your name. And she was yeah. able to do both. With, with that guy who's all like, hey, are, is your name Hannah? Like, he even said that she said yeah and she like shoot him away and did the same hand gesture that her mom was like that's her like she could identify her like there was things that she was doing that like her daily life like that's that's what it ugh. right but she didn't so this psychiatrist from i believe stanford university says that when you go into these fugue states there's parts of your subconscious that work like muscle memory. So when she went to that Apple store and signed into her Gmail, it was complete muscle memory. She didn't actually know what she was doing. That's so interesting. Right? That's like, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like you like type something in so many times, but the fact that she like just signs and signs out, walks away. I mean, but that's like what, because she can't remember. And I would just be, I don't know, I'm like somewhat fascinated just to think about like if they could like stop and talk to her when she was like, or like somebody who was in that like state, like what what her thought process even like is going on, like when people do that. Because you don't know that they're like that until it's over. Like, right. And the person experiencing it doesn't even know that there's anything wrong. All they know is that yeah. like I'm this person, this is my life. And they can take on completely different personas, and it's mm-hmm. it's just a completely different person. So because of all of these little things, 
there's actually a lot of people who think she faked it. And she did the bad, horrible thing that people should never do. And she read the news about herself. And she got so, like, embarrassed at people thinking all these negative things about her. She actually almost changed her name. But she decided that if she changed her name, that would actually be, like, running from who she is. And she didn't want to do that. So she didn't change her name. Oh, good on her. Don't run from jerk faces. Right. And be uh, true to you. That's that's the end of the story. Oh wow. Well that was like really interesting. So I lied and there's actually more to the story. What? Yes. No. So we're gonna fast forward five years. Okay. Hannah was hired to work at a Montessori school in Kensington, Maryland in 2013. So on the first day of school Hannah's mom, Barbara, got a call that Hannah's purse, wallet, and cell phone got found on a footpath in Kensington. Oh, and no. a co-worker of Hannah's said that uh, the co-worker was driving to school and she saw Hannah on the side of the road, like, speed walking the opposite way away from the school. Okay. So, I mean- you know, once again, Hannah gets reported as missing her mom and her friends start plastering flyers up everywhere. And they kind of realized that no one had spoken to Hannah in the last 24 hours. And she wasn't home the night before. Did, is she having like another, I want to say like episode? Is that where this is? Yes. Oh gosh, that so, must be scary. So there's not actually a ton of information about this episode because it only lasted two days. So, on the second day she was missing, at 10.30 p.m., Barbara got a phone call from an unknown phone number, and it was Hannah, and all she said was mom. So, like, she called her mom because she she ended up in this dirty creek um, in a residential area about a mile and a half from school, and she it just clicked with her. Out of no, she, she woke up, and she was like, oh, here I am. That- that's so that must be really hard like to live a life where you're just like oh randomly I click out of my brain and then I just start doing things that I have no idea what's going on that must that's like scary not just like I mean like for the family as well right so her friends actually suggested like they were kind of joking but they're like why don't we put a microchip in Hannah so we can track her And local police actually offered to give her, like, an ankle monitor, kind of similar to what you would wear if you were under house arrest. And Hannah said no because she didn't want her condition to define who she was. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of think that it was out of, like, if I was walking around with an ankle monitor, you know everyone would be looking at me (laughs) like I'm a criminal. I'd probably be like, uh, what? Wait a second. I mean, I feel like there's only certain people who have to wear ankle monitors. Right. And you'd be like side eyeing her. I can totally understand her not wanting an ankle yeah. monitor. I would I mean, want one. Either. But can't you get like an Apple Watch and it's kind of the same thing? But then again, that's she keeps leaving her stuff. Right. Why? Okay, that is a that is that is a weird a weird uh how do I like reoccurrence. That's the word I was looking for. Reoccurrence that like she keeps leaving, like she just drops her stuff and then walks away. Right. 
And so the next year, Hannah actually got hired to work. I guess Montessori schools are like a, a brand of school. I don't know exactly what they are. Um, but there's a Montessori school on St. Thomas, one of the islands mm-hmm. in the Virgin Islands. She got hired to work there and people asked her, you know, what what if this happens again? And her response was, it's an island, it's not that big. <laughs> so she kind of thought that through, like, huh, let's see, we're, right. we're somewhere where I can't really get lost. So we're gonna fast forward again another four years to 2017. So in early September, St. Thomas was actually gearing up because Hurricane Irma was on the way. Um, Hannah's best friend on the island was a girl named Maggie. And in a documentary I watched, Maggie actually mentioned that in the days leading up to Hurricane Irma, Hannah was acting a little off. And it was one of those, like, hindsight things that, like, at the time it didn't seem that weird. But in hindsight, like, yeah, Hannah was acting kind of weird in the days leading up to Hurricane Irma. So Hurricane Irma hit on September 6th, 2017. And in the days after the hurricane, obviously the island was trying to clean up the island, get things back in order. Everything was everywhere. Everything's crazy. No, no. So on top of everything being crazy because, you know, we just had a hurricane, there was another hurricane coming. Oh. So if... If you take into consideration that dissociative fugue can be triggered by traumatic events, mm-hmm. you can kind of see what's coming. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna tell you. It's like just hit me with it now. So because there were these two hurricanes hitting in rapid succession, there were actually all these they're uh, called mercy ships, essentially ferries that were taking people off the no! island. And they were taking no, so actually, <laughs> actually, she didn't want to get on one because she was like, she's one of those people that takes care of everyone else. So she's like, my heart oh. is here in St. Thomas. She she told someone that, you know, getting school up and running again is going to be so important for the children because the Montessori school was a preschool. Mm-hmm. And she was so focused on serving these kids. She wanted to be there to get the school up and running as soon as possible. So, She's such a sweetheart. in the days between hurricanes, one of Hannah's coworkers said that she was acting really weird. Like they were at the school trying to get the school set up, and Hannah was talking in this really weird kind of sing-song voice that wasn't normal for her. And then she was kind of also robotic. In the documentary, the woman was like she would just respond, "Yes, Norma. Yes, Norma. Yes, Norma," to everything. And Hannah is not that kind of person. So they were kind of like, what's going on with Hannah? Yeah. So on September 14th at 8 a.m., Hannah told her roommate that she was heading to school. And her roommate saw her get in the car and leave. But then Hannah never showed up at school. No! Stop doing this to me. So September 15th, Hannah didn't show up to a staff meeting. And Maggie started to get really worried. And I don't know how Maggie had information for Hannah's friends back home, but Maggie started calling some of Hannah's friends from home. And they just kind of mysteriously told Maggie to look near water. And that's weird. Well, remember 
in her first and second disappearances. In the first, she ended up in water. She did. And the second disappearance, she was in a creek when she remembered who she was. So the problem here is no one in St. Thomas knew about her disappearances. You think that would be something, I don't know, you'd at least share to like one close friend to be like, hey, if I randomly go missing, I have this weird thing wrong with my brain. I don't know. Well, so a bunch of people said that Hannah was the kind of person that you could sit and talk to for an hour and have a great conversation. And then as soon as it was over, you'd realize that like you didn't learn a thing about Hannah. Oh, so she was that's kind of weird. I don't I don't trust those people, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> After this mysterious go look for water uh directive from Hannah's friends, Maggie decided to go to Sapphire Beach because it was Hannah's favorite mm-hmm. and Hannah's car was in the parking lot. Okay. Inside her car was her phone, her wallet, her passport, and her purse, and hundreds of dollars. Uh, okay. She just gets weirder and weirder each episode. I feel like each each time this happens, like, she's just getting more weird. Right. So there was actually um, a beach bar on Sapphire Beach. And as okay. they were searching, they came up on this bar. And folded neatly on a stool was Hannah's sundress, her sandals, and her car keys. Oh, gosh. And that's that's the last anyone knows. Her friends searched for days. What? But then, you know, Hurricane Maria hit on September 20th. There were no witnesses that saw her on the beach. They know she had to be at the beach because, you know, her car was there. Her belongings were there. But, you know, the, the island is in chaos. Everyone's trying to get off the island. One of the people involved um, in the search actually said that all these mercy ships that were taking people off the island, they weren't checking identification. They weren't checking records of anything. They were just loading people up and getting them off the island. Apparently, Hannah was also a really, really strong swimmer. Like, she could easily swim two miles in the ocean, no problem. So they took rescue boats, and there are 80 islands in the Virgin Islands. They checked all around these islands. They checked in keys. They checked in reefs. They cannot find Hannah. And her mom is still looking for her. Her mom still texts her regularly because she's hoping that Hannah's muscle memory kicks in and she logs into her account and sees these messages from her mom. Oh, no. Yeah, so um, it looks like uh, the last... I saw in anything. I they actually have a Find Hannah Up Facebook page and they have a GoFundMe for this to kind of keep it going. There's a private investigator that's working on the case. Um there's been a, a few like potential sightings. Like I guess one of them was so serious. Um a man called and said, Hey, I see Hannah, she's she's right in front of me. The police came, they actually put this girl in handcuffs. She was angry and she's like, she's like, I am not Hannah. I am not the girl you're looking for. But, you know, Hannah's done that before. Like she did in the mall. The guy asked, are you Hannah? And she kind of waved him off and said, no, I'm not Hannah. Yeah. So her mother shows up and her mother goes, 
that's not Hannah, but it looks a lot like her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're still looking for Hannah. Her family still has hope. Um, and, you know, because of all the ships that were taking people off and the fact that she can swim so well, she could literally be anywhere. Yeah, but then, I mean... How how long? I mean, like, cause I just don't know how long these episodes, like the, I mean, like her being in that state of mind, like that where she doesn't technically know who she is, but like she's somebody else, kind of like she has this different persona going on. I mean, I guess you we don't know how long it's gonna last, right? Because so there's technically... documented cases of this happening for months, and yeah. the expert. I, um, I think his name is Dr. Spiegel, actually said that he believes that um, these episodes can last years in some people. So, yeah, I mean, she could still be out there. Um, so I just wanted to read her description actually really quick. So as of right now, Hannah is 36. She's 5'7". She has light brown hair and eyes. She has kind of a heart-shaped face, like a really pointy chin and um, kind of fuller cheeks. And uh, if anybody sees her, the family has asked them to call the private investigator, Steve Wagner, at 724-591-0675. And like where would, well, I guess I was gonna say, um, area-wise, she could technically be anywhere at this point, right? Because she's traveled so much, yeah, I mean, her hometown is listed as Portland, Oregon, but she lived in New York. She lived in Maryland. Um, she's traveled a ton with her dad. She could be anywhere. Well, dang, that was that was a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Needed that today. 